Welcome to A Walk In My Stilettos, where our goal is to help you walk in your greatness. I'm your host, McKinney Smith. The purpose of this show is to inspire you to walk in your greatness. We have conversations with amazing women that are letting us take a walk in their stilettos so we can continue to walk in a manner worthy of our calling. Today's guest, we have Carrie Turner. She's an award-winning speaker with a specific focus on women in ministry and marketplace. Carrie's signature projects um, are Life Behind the Collar for women navigating the pitfalls of ministry and marketplace. Also, the Nudge Mentorship Initiative, where she personally walks with a select group of women to help challenge and cultivate and grow them spiritually, personally, and professionally. And lastly, Carrie hosts The Lit Life, which is a Bible study and worship series where believers come together to worship, cultivate community, and share in God's word. Please welcome to the show, Carrie Turner. Hi, thank you for having me. (laughs) Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and share all your wonderful gems with us. Absolutely. I love it. I love it. So um, where where in the U.S. are you located? So I am based in Atlanta, Georgia. Love it. Love it. Uh, That is one of my favorite places in the U.S., aside from Houston. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's funny. I have not spent a lot of time in Houston. And I think the last time I've been there was like years and years and years ago. Um, But it's been on my radar. So hopefully I'll be able to get to Houston this year. But Atlanta is a beautiful it's definitely a beautiful city, a very progressive city to live in. So I'm sure it's it's your favorite, and it seems to be a whole lot of <laughs> favorites since everybody wants to everybody wants to move here now. So <laughs> yes, Atlanta and Houston are on the top of my list for places in the U.S. that I love to visit, and I seem to meet the most amazing people from both of those places. So you fall into that category. Ah, um, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. You're welcome. So I love to start the show by asking a simple but a powerful question, because as women, you know, all the women that come on the show are successful and have many titles, but we all have an extremely important title that we are called many times a day that some people don't even recognize the significance of. And I believe that our name holds weight. So Carrie, my question to you is, what does your name mean? So I don't, I could make up something. Um, (laughs) Is it it short for something? Well, so it's short for Cariana. So my entire name is Cariana. But, you know, my friends call me Carrie because that, of course, seems to be easy. Mm -hmm. And people don't typically butcher Carrie. They still do. Some people say Kari, all kinds of stuff. But Mm -hmm. I was named Cariana because my grandmother, uh, my mother's mother, her name is Carrie. And so I was named actually after after her. Now her her name is spelled C A R E Y, and mine is of course K A R R I. But she, I, I am named for my my grandmother, so that's where that came from. Okay, okay. So let's see. Um, if we went with Carrie K A R R I, according to Google. It's a Scandinavian name, and the meaning of Carrie, it's an abbreviation for Catherine, but it means pure. Oh, well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, that's interesting. You know, I, 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 try, I try to live pure 
So many of the women that come on the show, either, you know, they know their name, but they didn't realize, you know, they totally hadn't thought of, you know, the connection between who they are today and the meaning of their name. And then there's some women that had no idea. And when I told them, like, well, that totally describes me or, you know, they, they feel the connection. So I love to start, you know, as an icebreaker, I love to start the show with that because I feel like um, in especially in the entrepreneur space, we have all these different titles and, you know, some people right. hold on to that title so, so hard, but I feel yeah, like our yeah. name yeah. is a very important title. Absolutely. So my next question to you, Carrie, is what did you want to be when you were a little girl? So I always thought when I was a little girl, I thought, I thought two things. I thought when I was small, really, really small that I would be a singer or a model. I, I thought that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been singing since I was really, really little. And it's really, honestly, not until I became an adult, really kind of college that I kind of scaled back. Um, So I had been doing it my whole life. And I thought that when I was small, that that was what I was going to do. I used to love to play in my mom's clothes and sing and that type of thing. So I just naturally thought, you know, somewhere in my mind, I would be, I would be a star. It didn't quite work out uh, (laughs) that, that way. Um, but when I was, I would say an adolescent or my teenage high school years, I really thought that I would run for office. And so Mm. all up through college, um, I had plans to be the next Congresswoman, the next, you know, the next, uh, state Senator. I really thought that my life would take a very political path. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I haven't completely ruled it out of life, but I, I think, you know, as I had gone through some programs, my background is in political science. So my undergraduate degree is in political science. Mm-hmm. And um, I thought that, you know, I was preparing myself. I had been a part of these amazing um, leadership trainings uh, that helped develop young adults for running for office. And so I have been very intentional about that being my path. Um, all throughout high school, I was very active in um, campaigning, very active in my community, very active in holding like youth marches, just all kind of stuff. And so I just naturally thought that that would be the direction that I went in. And even when I decided to go to seminary, they had a program called Faith in the City, which mm-hmm. is where you were able to kind of merge civic uh, and social affairs with theology. And so I'd also taken some classes in that in that as well, because I thought that that was the, the direction that I was going in. But, you know, God had different plans. I had also taken a seat as the president of the um, Democratic Party in my local county. But I think it was in that moment, in that experience, <laughs> I decided that this is not going to be for me. Um, I love people, but I hate politics. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I just yep. hate it. I have no desire to um, play the game per se. And there's a level of politics that we even play, even in religion and business and all of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think, you know, when you're talking about politics on a local or national level, there's just a a way in which you have to move and just this level of finesse that I'm just not comfortable with. I would rather write the checks behind the scenes and support Mm -hmm. the people out front 
rather than being the person out front. And I just don't want my life, I wouldn't want my life under that level of scrutiny. Um, <laughs> and so, yeah, I don't, you know, who knows what God says for the future, but right now I have totally ruled it out. That, that experience <laughs> kind of left yeah. a poor taste in my mouth. And I was like, no, I'm good. I don't, I don't want to do this. It's funny you say that. So, I mean, I come from being extremely introverted. I had no desire as a little girl to be anything in the public eye whatsoever. And um, yeah. I I always knew that I just wanted to help people. You know, I wanted to improve people's lives. I wanted to just make their lives better in any way that I possibly could. So everything that I've yeah. done up until this point was focused on on that. And last year, well, it was actually started the year before, but I was reached out of our one of our parties here reached out to me and asked if I would run. And at the time I said, absolutely not. Um, but no, after, no. <laughs> but after some handholding, I actually ran in our provincial election last year. So, oh, I, wow. equiv- <laughs> so I guess the equivalent to the U S so our provinces would be equivalent to your States, I guess. Um, okay. so where, where yeah. are you, where are you, where are you based? So I'm in, in Canada, in Toronto. Um, wow. <laughs> yeah. So after that experience, though, is where I said, yeah, politics is not for me. I want to be uh-huh. able to, to you know, love on people and improve people's lives. And I, in the six months of my campaign, the amount of scrutiny and negativity that I had to deal with that I had never experienced uh-huh. in my entire life. I said, yeah. Mm, yeah, no, I, I don't think this is for me. <laughs> Yeah, I agree. Well, I I absolutely commend you for even um, for even doing it because we definitely need more young progressive women that are doing that, mm-hmm. um, that are running for office. But it is just I, I really believe that it is a level of servanthood that you absolutely. Well, some folks they are just trifling, so I don't even think they think they need to be called to it. But I believe that there is just you have to be called to it because there's a level of grace, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, mm-hmm. that you have to have to be able to take that and not, you know, internalize it because people can be brutal, man. They can yes. Be, they can be I thought I had thick I skin. <laughs> I thought yeah. I had grown <laughs> some thick skin. Yeah, listen, that's a whole nother type of skin, honey. That's that's like. You got to have like 15 layers of skin to, to mm-hmm. do that. And I'm just, I realized very fast that I'm just not built for that. Not that yes. part. Yeah, yeah I, I agree. I agree. I mean, you definitely, it definitely takes a special type of woman. And as much as, you know, I'm all about, you know, conquering through all of my, you know, barriers of, of comfort and totally living by faith, that came with, you know, people scrutinizing where I attended dinner, who paid for my plate. Um, you know, it, it was all down to the meaning of my name, where it comes from. It was like, really? (laughs) So yeah. Anyway. So how did you end up getting into ministry? So I have, um, I have been in church my, literally my entire life. I, um, remember accepting Christ when I was around, and, and I know for some people this might sound odd because typically six and seven years, year old may not necessarily know as much about God to be able to make that type of decision, but mm-hmm. for whatever reason, I did. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was around seven years old when I, you know, I walked down the aisle when they opened the doors of the church. I walked down the aisle by myself. I remember the little dress that I had on when I did it. And, 
And and I I literally was like, I want to accept Jesus and I want to be baptized. And, Mm -hmm. you know, my mom didn't have a problem with it because she was the person who introduced me to Christ. I remember um, uh, playing outside and I was like, Mom, you know, I have a a younger brother, but he was like a baby at the time, so he couldn't do anything. And I was like, you know, I have no friends. I don't have anybody to play with. And she was like, play with Jesus. And I'm like, girl, who is Jesus? I don't even know who (laughs) you're talking about and she began to you know explain in the way that I could understand who he was and um it literally I'm telling you transformed my life I just became so interested in who this Jesus was and how we could play and I just wanted to know so much about him and Mm -hmm. and I continued to pursue whatever that passion was in me even at a very young age and I knew that I wanted to join church I knew that I wanted to be baptized and church for me um, very young, um, really saved my life. So it was like a community of faith that I um, needed because when I was being picked up for choir, junior choir rehearsal and usher board meetings and sunshine band, it was rescuing me from the perils of molestation and um, mm. abuse and, dis- and, a, and a dysfunctional household. So church was like my salvation, literally. And, and God right. was, so God became to me very rapid um, it, um, he, he became, it, it became a very personal relationship at a very rapid pace, more so than it would for maybe any other kid, um, because my circumstances, um, caused me to have to really seek and depend on God at a, at a, at a higher level at a very young age. And so I began, um, speaking in church around the age of really seven and eight. I was doing the announcements, um, wow. very early and I, I started to realize, I always knew that I could sing, so I'd always been singing in church. But then um, we would have like these youth Sundays, of course, where the youth could speak. And there was this youth group called um, Youth on the Move. And there was this young lady at the time who I thought was just so beautiful and so cool. And she was leading the group. And um, she was an adult. but Well, she was older than us at the time, of, of course, but she probably was like a teenager when she was leading us and Mm -hmm. this youth group did like a lot of speaking and so it was in that moment that I realized hey I I might know how to do this I kind (laughs) of like you know how I feel when 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 I'm speaking you know it was it was a different experience from singing because I don't think I was ever as confident in that but there was a level of confidence that I immediately felt and that I immediately walked in when I was speaking. And so from that youth group, I began to do like, you know, little mini youth um, sermons on youth Sunday. And Mm -hmm. it literally just is, is almost like second nature. And so while I always knew that I would be that church and the community of faith would be a part of my life, I did not know that I would ever um, be formally ordained or, that I would go to seminary and I definitely did not know that I would be preaching and teaching and doing some of the (laughs) things that I do now. It literally wasn't a part of my plan. I knew that church was, but I didn't know in this capacity. And it's so funny when I look back on my life now, I can see how God has been connecting the dots and how it makes sense that this is a part of, you know, what I do. It's so funny because I think when people um, see you at a certain stage of your life, they think that you arrived there overnight. This is mm-hmm. not an overnight, even though I don't even think I've scratched, scratched the surface in what I believe God is going to do and, and where I'll be able to go. But I think for some people, it's kind of like, well, who is she? She just came out of nowhere. No, nope, I didn't come <laughs> out of nowhere. This is right. I've been doing this my whole life. 
there's just a level of grace and gifting um, that I'm now starting to discover um, that I kind of knew then, but now I'm getting a greater understanding of it as I get a greater understanding of myself and who God is. Mm -hmm. So that's really kind of how I got into ministry. When I graduated from college, um, I felt a very strong pull to go to seminary. I didn't know what that looked like. I just knew that I loved women and I, I loved helping people and I loved putting on events and I loved God. That's all that I knew. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I felt, a, but I felt a strong tug to do that because education has always been important to me. And I said that if I am going to do this, I want to make sure that um, I have submitted myself in certain areas to do so. So I don't have like a uh, Damascus experience as relates to, you know, my call where I feel like I got, you know, knocked off of a horse and I decided <laughs> to go you know, to seminary. I just remember um, as a teenager being in prayer in my room and I remember the Lord, you know, speaking to me after I got up from prayer saying basically, you know, we know the scripture, you know, I, I, I knew you before you were formed in your mother's room. I've called you and it has been something that has stuck with me. I didn't know what that would look like but I started to see how, um, how that would begin to manifest as I went to seminary, after I graduated from seminary. Of course, I was ordained um, a minister and then later um, elevated um, as an elder. And now, you know, I get to serve um, in the role of um, the capacity of pastor. So um, that's kind of how ministry came about. Wow. Wow. You started very young. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now you focus on ministry and marketplace. So, you know, what is your why and what does that mean for your audience? Uh, you know, I think my why is, I don't know if it's just one thing. My why is definitely, you know, ultimately wanting to live a life that is pleasing to God and mm -hmm. wanting to exhaust myself and my gifts and everything that I have to offer the world while I have the ability to, while I'm living. So that is my primary why. I want to be able to have a return on the investment uh, that God has placed in me because I, I tell people all of the time, I don't think that, you know, when we get to judgment day, God isn't going to be asking me about, you know, who I lied to, who I slept with, what I drank or what I did or did not do right. I think he's going to ask the question, what did you do with the gifts that I gave to you? Gave what did you, you do with what I placed inside of you? And so for me, my why is, you know, how can I exhaust and be able to have a return so great to the Father that when I stand before him, if he has given me three gifts, I can return at least six back to him, you know, <laughs> to be able to say, you know, this is how I multiply that. And then, of course, you know, quite honestly, wanting to be able to, to create a life that, you know, my children, I don't have children now, but when I do have children that they can be proud of and a life that was different from the one that I came up in, um, you know, being able to be a daughter that my mom is proud of, a sister that my, my brother is proud of, and, you know, a good, a good friend and an overall leader. So those things for me, um, I think are, um, are the reasons why um, I do what I do. Okay. Okay. So, uh, how do I say it? Okay, so when I when I say like what does that mean for your audience? Like for instance, when I started following you on Instagram, I mean mm -hmm. I'm e I'm easily attracted to to bright colors. That's just me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I mean I love I loved your your branding. So that first caught my eye. 
Um, but I started seeing your, your quotes and stuff like that, that really inspired me. They really connected with me and totally felt relatable. So in, in terms of your audience and I I guess the services that you offer to connect ministry to the marketplace, like, I guess, what is, yeah, what is the pain points that you help people with or that you use to serve or does that make more sense? Sure. Uh, I think so. So I, I think, you know, I think I'm able to, or I, I'm able to kind of use whatever my gifting is in connection with my education and connection with my experiences, uh, because mm-hmm. I have had a lot of terrible experiences and I've made a lot of dumb mistakes. And the truth of the matter is, you know, I, I want to be able to use those things to help somebody else not have to go down the same path that I, that I went on. Um, right. And so, I, you know, a part, some people tell me that I'm probably too transparent. I talk about too much or I share too much, but I don't really care because I think that <laughs> I really don't. I think that we live in a world where, you know, everything, you know, for the most part, people thrive on being fake or people thrive on only wanting people to see one part of who they are. And I get that, you know, everyone has a right to share what they feel released to share. Um, mm-hmm. but, for, but for me, you know, I, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm never motivated by people who I see just at their final destination. I'm motivated by the story behind it. And so right. I've had, you know, I've, I've, I grew up in a very tumultuous, dysfunctional, you know, background where abuse and sexual abuse and, you know, just dysfunction was, is a part of the narrative of my life. And I never want people to be confused by those colorful posts or be confused by those pictures, many of, Mm -hmm. you know, any of that type of stuff and think, oh my God, she has no issues. No, I've gone through divorce. No, I've gone through, you know, um, extreme financial hardship. No, I've gone through not knowing what I was going to do and not having any clear direction. I've gone through um, having terrible relationships and feeling like, you know, I wasn't worthy to be in one. And is anything ever going to happen for me? I've gone through all of those different things. And I think that that's the stuff along with the redemptive power of Christ to be able to say, yeah, I've gone through this, but let me show you how God shifted this thing around. Or let me show you how I'm still still working and pushing and growing through these things um, so that you know that it's possible as well. And so not just from a spiritual perspective, but, you know, in having gone through all of those different things, I also still move in a certain capacity in business. I also move in a certain capacity because my background largely is in uh, government and in nonprofit work and um, those type of things. So people see the whole um, ministry side, but they don't know that I have years and years of experience in nonprofit management and leadership development and strategic planning. So I have a life that is pretty, um, you know, multifaceted, I will say. And so it's always so funny to me when people are like, oh, you know, oh, she's cute, but I wonder if she knows anything. Uh, Yeah, she knows a lot, you know. And I just let let people think whatever they want to think because at the end of the day, you know, when I open my mouth or at the end of the day, when I'm able to um, show the fruits behind what I'm actually doing, you know what I mean? I think oftentimes that speaks for itself. So I just kind of want women to know that you can come from tough circumstances and still continue to navigate through those circumstances, 
love God, you can still be fashionable, you can still be relatable, you can still be beautiful, you can still be humble, you can still be kind. I just don't buy into the idea that you have to be either or. I'm going to be every single thing that God designed for me to be. There are many people who love that and embrace that, and I love them, and there are many people who that makes very uncomfortable, and I love them too, but I'm still going to (laughs) be I am and what God has called me to be. You know what I'm saying? You're not making I love it. If 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 your presence never makes people feel uncomfortable, then you're not doing something right. That's right. That's right. If you right. up into a room, doesn't make people at some point in time want to reevaluate where they are in life and what they are doing, why are you there? You are <laughs> you, you serve no purpose. Yes. And, and with that, you know what I'm saying? And with that comes the level of, um, comes the level of, of hate. And I don't talk about that a lot comes the level of um, insecurity that people will project on you, comes Mm -hmm. the level of people just gossiping about, I mean, it comes all of that stuff. But what I have learned and what God has really been kind of walking me through with that is that, you know, it cannot matter. You got to figure out how to love people anyway. Does that mean that I got to be chummy with people? Does that mean that I'm fake? No, it means that I'm always going to be gracious. It means that I'm always going to be kind, but I, I know how to deal with people. That's and, and that's just it. But I can't stop the mission that God has me on because somebody is uncomfortable with something that I'm doing. Do you know what I mean? Or somebody is uncomfortable or it, it just, you just can't do it. And if you start internalizing those things, you will become stifled and you will stop moving in your own gift. And so I think a part of um, the call of women um, now and forever, um, especially in ministry, is to be bold and to be courageous. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And and not yes. and not not listen or, or not be afraid of their faces. Not don't allow anybody else's voice to be louder than your father. Because mm-hmm. I had to learn that God affirmed me when He sent me. If I were waiting for people to affirm me. Every time I get up, if I were waiting for, if I were affirmed by the number of likes that I got, <laughs> I wouldn't make it. If I, right. if I were affirmed, you know what I'm saying, by the number yeah. of engagements I got, I wouldn't make it. I mm-hmm. know today that whether somebody else calls me, if I have 15 million engagements for the rest of the year or I don't, it doesn't matter because at my darkest points, I know who God called me. To yes. Be. And you have to have gone through some things. You know what I'm saying? To understand <laughs> that whether they asked me to come or not, whether they put me on a flyer or not, whether I'm part of this group or not, it don't matter because God has already told me who I am. And if I ain't got nobody else, at the end of the day, I got him. And yeah, he's going right. to send the people that I need to have. And so, you know, it's just really kind of understanding that, you know, people, people, everybody wants to be great and everybody wants to be put on and everybody wants all this stuff. But people don't understand that that starts before anybody even sees you. That starts mm-hmm. before anybody knows your name. And there is always a pit before there will be a platform. There yes. will always be a pit before there will be a platform. And then when you understand that, it keeps you humble. When you understand that, there's a level of compassion that you will always have for people. I will always be compassionate to people. I will never sit in a seat of judgment because I know what I felt like. I know what I've gone through. And I believe half of the stuff I've gone through ain't even been for myself. It's been for other people. Do you know what I'm saying? So that I have a level of sensitivity that I can't judge, that I can't 
turn my nose up, that I can't act a certain way. Now I realize, you know, that there are going to be people who just choose in their mind not to like you. It don't matter what you do. It don't matter how nice you are. It doesn't matter how kind you are. I, I used to go out of my way. Do you hear me? To mm-hmm. dim myself. I used to go out of my way to make sure people didn't feel comfortable, feel uncomfortable. I don't do that anymore. I just love them. And either they're mm-hmm. going to receive the love or they're not going to receive it. And I, and I, and I have to go on. I can't, I can't remain in the space of trying to please people, but I really do in, in, in the most genuine way, try to bring all of those things together. And I, I try to make sure people know that I'm not perfect. Like, listen, I'm at the front of the line. Of, of, of needing to be okay? I'm not perfect, and I'm walking out my salvation every single day in the mm. best way that I can. You know, there are moments where it's easy; it's it's easier. There are moments where it is extremely difficult, and then there are moments where I'm kicking and screaming, literally tr- asking God, "Where is He? Where mm-hmm. are you? What mm-hmm. are you? What are you doing?" And and those are real things. I tell people like, if you haven't had a moment where you've gotten upset with God, if you haven't had a moment where you doubted, if you haven't had a moment where you're just like, you know, Father, what the heck is going on? I mm-hmm. I, I, I question your call. <laughs> I wonder whether or not you whether or not you really called or not because that those are real emotions and real experiences that I believe every leader Christ had it. He had a moment where mm-hmm. he was like, you know, it, it's possible. Let this cup pass me. I don't I don't want to have to do this. Do you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Yeah. But ultimately you come to a place where it's like, you know, your will and, 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 and your will be done, not my will. And that's every day. Like that cup, you take the cup. I tell people there are thorns and cups every day. Mm-hmm. You live with your issue every day and you have to take a cup of denying yourself every single day to pursue God's will for your life and not your own. So it's not like this magic arrival moment, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every single day you are taking those steps, you know, to become better, to become whole. Wholeness is not in a vacuum. You don't wake up one morning and you hold. That's right. right. (laughs) Every single day you'll be working towards wholeness until you leave this earth. You know what I mean? But we've made wholeness seem like it's this thing that you come prepackaged with and you got to have it before you can get married and you got to have it before you can get into business. No, it doesn't mm-hmm. work like that. You, you, every day you pursue wholeness. And until you leave this earth and you stand before the father and you are transformed, you ain't going to be whole into this. So I don't know what you're <laughs> talking about, you know, beyond, beyond that point. But yeah. So. I'm like, where can I drop my offering? Because I want to scream preach right now. <laughs> yes. Yes. Listen, I thought I liked you before on Instagram. I love you right now. Okay. <laughs> Everything that you were saying, every single word that you just said totally resonates with everything within me because from the minute the minute you even started answering that question, I'm sitting here saying, Yes, yeah. yes, that's me. Yep, yep, me too. Yeah. Yep, yep. Totally yeah. agree. Mm-hmm. Yep, yep. I I can totally agree with everything you just said in, in every sense of the word. And this is one of the reasons why, like I said, I do this podcast is because women like yourself have such amazing backstories to the story that we see, you know, on the front, on the surface. And I want people to be motivated by your, you know, the story that's behind what they see on Instagram. I want people to understand that there's a reason why you're out here helping people and 
that you know, we all have a testimony and our testimony may be about us, but it is not for us. And I've always believed that. And like you said about being too transparent, I used to be told before I even put my book out, I used to be told I'm way too transparent. People used to be like, well, you you know, you just said all your business on on Facebook or whatever. And it was never in a negative sense. But the fact that I was so easy to put stuff out there and so easy to to share stuff with the world. And it's like, well, in my opinion, if I put my business out there, you can't shame me. You can't shame me with that no, because no, I've already told no. you, you, you yeah, heard it from the horse's you. mouth. Yes. It's my story and can't nobody tell my story like me. So if right. you want to know the truth, don't ask anybody else. Come ask me. And it's yes. so weird when people do that because the Bible tells us and people probably are like, this girl only know one scripture because I say it all <laughs> the time. But we are redeemed by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. It is our testimony that helps to set people free, free. And, and, yes. and the blood of the lamb. Like, so yeah. the fact that the fact that you choose not to tell people what you've gone through stifles your own development mm-hmm. and it stifles other people from becoming free. And then you mm-hmm. wonder why doors can't open. It is yeah. in the darkest places of your life. It is, it is in the oil is in the stuff that you don't want to share. Mm-hmm. Listen, people don't, people don't always care about how well I can exegete a text, even though that's important to me. You know, people don't always care about how well I can explain the Bible and how well I can preach and teach. Typically, there the move of God happens when I, after I've done that and I've shared my story and I've opened my heart to tell people why I'm doing this or what I've gone through. That is when the Spirit of God really begins to move at a high level. Right. So people yes. rob themselves from experiencing God and in a greater capacity um, as He connects with their gifts when they choose not to tell their story. Like you don't mm-hmm. again. You, you have to be free in that area to be able to tell it because you don't want to be bleeding all over, over people. But there, <laughs> ought to be, there ought to be some level of deliverance that you are walking in where you can freely share, hey, listen, this is what God did for me. This is how I came out of this thing. This is how, you know what I'm saying, I'm moving forward where there's no more, um, there's no more shame attached to it. So listen, keep telling it and keep creating platforms for women like me to keep telling it as well. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. So, okay. So (laughs) I'm sitting here listening to you and I'm so involved in our conversation. I'm like, oh, wow. So much time has passed already. I'm not done yet. Wait, I'm not done. (laughs) So, okay. Before we run out of time, I want you to share um, what uh, Life Behind the Collar is. And and, yeah, we'll we'll start there. Yeah, so life behind the color, um, life behind the color was really birthed out of um, out of the fact that I had began to, although I've been hosting events and doing ministry for a long time, um, I wasn't, of course, always ordained when when I did that. Right, mm-hmm. I hadn't formally, you know, been ordained and all of that good stuff. And what I realized was that there was a whole nother ball game to this thing that I had no real clue about when I got mm-hmm. into this. And, you know, nobody ever sat down with me and said, this is what life will look like. Yes, I went to seminary. I can talk to you about the theoretical and philosophical and theological <laughs> perspectives of God. I can give you all of that good stuff. But at the end of the day, nobody said to me, this is how you're going to be feeling when you pour out to people. Um, This is how, um, this is 
this is what your body is going to be going through when you pour out to people and you're not married. So how are you going to navigate these feelings and these, these emotions and this level of vulnerability? You're starting to travel the country and the world. Um, nobody sat down with me to say, yeah, you're going to preach and teach, but there's also business behind this too. There's money and there's, you know, accountability and there's all. So I was so green. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I didn't have mm-hmm. to down and say this is how you do it this is what you do all this other kind of stuff you know I now have people that I can call and that I love and I can ask questions but for the most part I didn't and I almost think looking back that that was by God's design I almost think that he Mm -hmm. didn't even want anybody to teach me or tamper or show me so that he can personally walk me through what things these things look like so that I can then have a very honest perspective that's not do you know what I mean? And be mm-hmm. able to share that. So saying all of that to say, life behind the collar is really based <laughs> off of my own experiences and wanting to be able to give women a real, uh, a very real and unraw look at what that looks like when you're trying to navigate life after you step out of the pulpit. You're still working. You're still running businesses. You still have a family. Do you know what I mean? All right. of these things still matter while you're you're still walking through your call. You're still dealing with your own emotions. You're still dealing with whatever deficiencies you have. I just wanted to create a real space where that happens. And so it currently happens where I host you know, um, events where women can come and have guest speakers and that type of thing. Um, I'm getting ready to um, do, I have a, a podcast, of course, where mm-hmm. I invite women Women and I and have, I have my first men that's going to be coming that's already on and I'll be releasing soon so they'll be able to hear that um, and then I'll be doing just kind of some national things around it and even some virtual trainings around it as well because I just really have a desire for women to know the fullness of what they're walking into right. both um, spiritually you know mentally emotionally and all that good kind of stuff so that's really kind of where life behind the collar came from awesome awesome Okay, so can you um, share what the Nudge mentorship is about? Yeah, so the Nudge is quite similar in the sense of um, I I would I would reach out to people quite honestly, and not just random folk, but people you know that I admired, and I'm like, oh man, I can learn so much from them, and some of them would be like, you don't need a mentor, and I'm like, what? <laughs> well, oh, you don't need a mentor? You have you know you already have X, Y, and Z together. And I used to be so distraught about that. Like, God, like, why can't I get nobody to, you know, nobody wants to walk with me. I can't get nobody to mentor me. Like, what's going on with me? And I used to hear people say all of the time, you know, well, when the student is ready, the teacher will come. I no longer believe Mm. in that because I feel like, you know, (laughs) I have been ready. You know what I'm saying? But but sometimes the teacher doesn't come in the form in which we think the teacher will come in. And again, I think even as I'm talking to you, it makes me so grateful to God because I believe wholeheartedly in mentorship, but I also believe that sometimes we can seek out people that God has not designated to walk with us that way, and they can do more harm and devastation than they will Mm -hmm. good if we attach Mm -hmm. ourselves. So sometimes we are so thirsty for a mentor that we're blinded and cannot and don't listen to God in terms of leading us to that. And so the nudge was really birthed out of, listen, everything is is birthed out of my own so it was really birthed out of not feeling like I had you know anyone that could could help push me to another level because mentorship is different from friendship now if you happen yes. to become friends that's great 
but your mentor is really somebody that it's that can see beyond what you can see that can help you strategize that can help you remain accountable and really push you to a greater level um, in your life and so I wanted to do that for women I wanted to just I felt like people ultimately sometimes just need a push you need a hard push from somebody who wants to see you get ahead they have no desire to see you fail you know what mm -hmm. I'm saying yeah and, and and really it was just a part of that it's really just kind of I, I genuinely get excited when I watch women um, transform both mm -hmm. externally and internally like when they start glowing and they start looking different and they start working I mean it literally just gives <laughs> me a high something about it is just I know it's insane but it just makes me so happy no I agree with you you know, so the nudge gives me a chance to kind of walk, um, walk one on one with people, um, with women and help them really kind of just say, this is what God has called me to do. This is what I'm setting out to do. Um, you know, how can you help me um, get to that point? And so that's what the nudge is about. So with all of these amazing things that you're doing, I mean, you're it sounds like you're, you're such a giving person genuinely. So you're, you're mentoring and, you know, you're pastoring and you're doing your philanthropy work and all this other stuff. So what is your self-care routine? Ah, listen, I, you know, one of the things that I've talked a lot about is um, understanding when you are depleted. And what that looks like and understanding not just when you are depleted, but what you have to do to replenish yourself, because it's a dangerous space for a leader to be in when they are depleted and they don't right. know how to refuel. Um, and so I am um, I'm continuing to learn what that looks like for me, quite honestly. Uh, but right now, what I do know is that I love movies. I love the movies. So I can be there at any given day that I have time, whenever I'm mm -hmm. feeling like anything. After I finish um, ministering, if I'm local, I will go to a movie or when I get back in town, I'll go to a movie. And just for me, it's just therapeutic. I, sh I shut my phone off. Um, I spend time just engulfed in whatever is going on. Um, I love architecture, so I'm always looking at homes. I'm always driving around buildings. Um, what are other things that I do? I um, I love travel um, mm -hmm. when I can, like, when it's on my own time and I'm not traveling <laughs> because I'm having to, you know what I'm saying, speak yep. somewhere or that type of thing. So I really do love to travel. Um, and I love, I, I just love anything that um, allows me to just kind of be able to breathe for a minute. And quite honestly, this is probably going to sound so bad to people. I do, sometimes I detox with reality TV. I know it's so mm. bad, but I do. <laughs> to me, it allows me to just shut my brain off for a few minutes and right? not have to about anything that is, you know, that that's just ultra serious at the time. And it just allows me to be able to escape for a little bit. So those are just a few of the things that um, that I do when I'm just trying to refuel or detox. And I love food, but I got to stay away. I got to stay away from too much food because otherwise I'll be detoxing all day, every day. So um, but those, are just a few, those are just a few things that I love. Okay. I love it. Love it. So um, I read an article that said that your favorite type of shoe says a lot about your personality. And uh, it's, you know, my entire branding is based around stilettos and there's such a deeper meaning to it. But I want yeah. to know 
I'm going to ask you, Carrie, what is your favorite type of shoe? Is it a boot, a running shoe, a flat, a flip-flop, a wedge? Uh... Oh, that is so good. You know, I quite honestly, my favorite type of shoe is a sneaker. Like if I could wear Chucks or Vans or Jays every day, I quite mm-hmm. honestly, I probably would. So I think a sneaker because I feel like they're so comfortable. I think they could be dressed up or dressed down. Um, so I think that that's my favorite shoe. I love all shoes, but if I had to choose what my favorite shoe would be, it would probably be like a pair of, a pair of Chucks. It would probably be a pair of sneakers. Okay, so this is someone who's very confident, very goal-oriented, and very organized. They really illustrate the idea of multitasking, taking care of everything, and being everywhere. Whoa! Are you listening? <laughs> I need you to send that to me. Are you serious? Are you going to yep. care about my whole life from a shoe? Oh, my God! Yeah. Oh, even knew! Oh, my God! Yeah. Yeah, right? Okay, I'm going to be afraid when shoes can also be <laughs> because I don't know why people looking at horoscopes when you can just find out who it's you are from shoes. a shoe. Oh, my God. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I, that thought, that was so, I thought that was so cool. Yeah. Wow. So I, I love to ask every woman that comes on the show, I ask them that question because it's like, I, I thought it was really that interesting. And amazing. I thought it was really I accurate. <laughs> Yeah, I've, yep. I've never, I've been asked many questions, but nobody has ever said, what type of shoe do you wear? So I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm just going to tell them what kind of shoe I like. Child, I didn't know you were about to tell me my life. Wow. Yep. Amazing. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. I love that so much. I will send you that article. Not a problem. Not a problem. Please, please. <laughs> so before we go to the final segment of the show, I want you to tell people where they can find you online to stay connected with you. Sure. So you guys can find me. Well, first, thank you so much for having me. I just am no thrilled to um, have spoken to you. And I just love everything that you are doing. I pray God's blessing favor over every single thing that you touch. I pray that he continues to extend your reach and, you know, that you continue to be um, the voice that he's calling, a, a specific voice that he's calling for a specific group of people in this season, and that you you can completely pour yourself out doing the work of the Lord and that he refuels you and pours back into you in every area of your life as you need and as you desire it. And so um, with that, uh, absolutely. Um, I can, folks can reach me at my website at www.carryturner.org. Um, or you can reach me, of course, on social media at um, Ms. Carrie Baby, M Z K A R R I B A B Y. Um, I am on Facebook, but I think I'm about to get off of Facebook. Facebook is, <laughs> I don't know. But if you want to find me on Facebook, so you can find me at Carrie Turner or Carrie Turner MDiv on Facebook. Tell I'm not on Twitter at all. I have an account, but I never use it. I don't even know the last time, except when Instagram shut down, that I went on there to find out what other people were doing. <laughs> what was going on? Um, I, listen, what was going on? So that's how folks can reach me. Or if, you know, there's a specific question or email, they can always uh, email me at info at CarrieTurner.org. Love it. Love it. So what I will do is I will post all of your details 
um, below the episode once it airs so they can just click and go straight to your website or your Instagram and, and follow you and stay connected with you from there. Perfection. Thank you so much. Thank you. So what um, what I like to do for the last few minutes of the show, I call it a walk in her stilettos, but today we're going to call it a walk in her sneakers. And okay. it's just <laughs> a couple of reflection questions. You just say the first thing that comes uh, to mind. And in the interest of time, maybe I'll just ask one or two. Um, let's make this easy on you. Um, what have you become better at saying no to in the last five years? Lunch or dinner? Lunch or dinner? <laughs> yep. Okay. And when I say that, I've become better at saying no to people who want to have lunch or dinner. Okay. Typically, the greatest distra- distractions always want to have lunch or dinner. So I say mm-hmm. no to lunch or mm-hmm. dinner now. So, yes. Mm-hmm. I know that probably sounds weird, but yeah. No, not at all. You know, I love that my, my mentor actually says, you know, it's great to have breakfast meetings with people um, because yes, those are usually absolutely. business meetings. Um, yep, but yep, yeah, yep. L- lunch or dinner is either people that want to waste your time or, you know, pick your brain right. or, yeah, That's yeah, right. I get it. That's I right. get it. Mm-hmm. What new belief, behavior, or habit has improved your life in the last five years? Really writing down my affirmations and being disciplined and, and intentional in saying them out loud. Uh, mm. That has really shifted things for me. Um, because I think, you know, we could talk about affirmations all the time and we talk about them so casually, but I, I try to be more conscientious of what I'm saying, how I'm saying it and understanding that there is a discipline in repetition. And even when I feel like my life is not aligning in certain areas that I continue to still say them and say it until it comes to pass. It's no different than with scripture. But I think mm-hmm. I've been more intentional with affirmation, being able to say them when I get up in the morning, being able to say them before I go to bed at night, and, you know, being able to kind of go to those things when I feel moments of getting frustrated or angry. But just being intentional about affir- affirmations and then what I am allowing to come out of my mouth in general. Um, yes. So I try not, I try to do my very, very best to not speak when I'm angry. I try to do my very best to not speak when I'm sad, um, or even if I am confused, because there are words that we that we can utter in those moments that can be absolutely detrimental. So yes. that's an ongoing thing for me, but definitely just kind of being more mindful with exactly what I'm in, more mindful and intentional about um, saying affirmations out loud and then just more intentional about what I'm allowing to come out of my mouth in times that might be difficult. I love that you chose that because I am a very strong believer in, in affirmations. You know, I, I understand the the power and the weight in the words that are said after I am. And I was yeah. introduced to affirmations back in like 2013. It was about a year after my sister died and I was dealing with like depression and everything under the sun. But yeah. Um, yeah. when I, I got introduced to affirmations and I realized how much it changed my life. And when you say repetition, I mean that like I, I, w- I said before how introverted I was and I, now I'm speaking on stages all over the world, but it, it came yes. from me writing, writing affirmations on a piece of paper. Uh, and every morning wow. I had, a, I had a, a notebook that I would write out. I am a confident 
speaker. And I would write wow. that on wow. every single line on the paper. So there's, I don't know, 30, 30 lines. Wow. And I was writing 30 wow. lines every single day. And I would do that yeah. for weeks before a speaking engagement because the anxiety would kill me. And, yeah. and then I got so into, you know, saying affirmations and writing them down and even having them written on things in my bathroom and in picture frames. I was so obsessed with affirmations. Yeah. They changed my life. Yeah. So after yeah. my first book came out, my second book ended up being an affirmations book with like faith-based affirmations because women were reaching out oh, to me saying, nice. oh my God, how were you able to go through all of that? Like, what were you doing? Yeah. And I was like, it's, yeah. it was affirmations, <laughs> you know? Wow. And, and even so now my, um, the Awaken My Stilettos app that I have the community for, for women every morning, it sends out an affirmation at 7 a.m. So if women have wow. you know trouble coming up with affirmations, there's, you know, self-love affirmations and faith-based affirmations, but they get an affirmation every morning at 7 a.m. So I, I love your, I oh, love that, that you chose affirmations. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Well, thank you, Carrie. Once again, honestly, you came on and like I said, you made me fall totally in love with you and I, oh. I'm going to have to have you back on the show again because you know, our yes, time is definitely. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm so glad that we were able to do it. I know that we have been trying to get it done and I'm like, I'm yes. to make it through that I'm on this podcast. So thank you so much for your patience and your willingness to share your platform with me. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate you so much, Carrie. And to our listeners, until next time, download the Awaka My Stilettos app and subscribe to our newsletter at awakamystilettos.com. Rate the podcast on Apple. Like, make sure you leave a review. Let us know what you thought about what Carrie had to say. What gems did you walk away with? We want your feedback. Continue to walk in greatness in your soul in a manner worthy of your calling.